1: Okay, so very good morning to everybody and welcome to IPC's third quarter results and operations update presentation. My name is Mike Nicholson. I'm the CEO of IPC. Also joining me in presenting this morning is Christoph Nergararian, the CFO. And we also have Rebecca Gordon, who's our VP of corporate planning and investor relations. I'll begin in the usual fashion by walking through the third quarter operations update and then I'll pass the floor to Christoph, who will walk through the financial numbers. And then at the end of both of our presentations, we'll open up and you'll have the opportunity to ask questions. Before I get into the the highlights of the first quarter, we do talk internally with an IPC a lot about excellence. And you're gonna see and hear this morning uh, phenomenal performance on the operations side, and I'd really like to thank all of our teams in Canada, and in Malaysia, in France, and corporately in Geneva for really lifting our production levels back to pre-COVID highs and delivering such a, a phenomenal operational performance. And when you combine that with the strong commodity prices we've seen across the entire energy complex, you're going to see record high financial results when Christophe runs through his numbers. So to start with the the highlights for the the third quarter and with production, our third quarter average net production was just under 47,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day above our high end guidance for the third quarter. And as a result of the very strong year-to-date production performance, we're now revising upwards our full year guidance to in excess of 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, and that's an uptick of 1,000 barrels a day uh, from our second quarter guidance. Continued good control on the cost front, operating costs for the third quarter were slightly below guidance, $14.70 per BOE, and we're leaving our full-year forecast of $15.50 per BOE unchanged. On the investment and capital expenditure front, we are reducing our capital expenditure forecast down by $23 million to $50 million. And I'll come back to that, but that's mainly as a result of the the re-phasing of some of our Malaysian expenditure into early 2022. And turning to the, to the cash flow numbers, record high numbers across the board, third quarter operating cash flow was above 90 million US dollars. And as a result of that, we're now increasing our full-year guidance to between $315 and $335 million. Likewise, record high free cash flow generation, $77 million for the third quarter. And again, we're increasing our full-year free cash flow guidance to now between $240 to $260 million. And that translates into a full-year free cash flow yield of somewhere between 28 30 percent phenomenal numbers there on the cash flow side. That's of course fed into significant deleveraging through the third quarter. The net debt has dropped to just over 160 million dollars, and of course, that's had a profound impact on our leverage ratio, which has now dropped to, to 0.6 times uh, compared with three times net debt to EBITDA at the end of 2020. Christoph will come back to it in his in this presentation, Uh, as we see the the hedges roll off, the bank-mandated hedges, that's obviously feeding through into stronger free cash flow generation. And of course, we don't actually have any all hedges in place in 2022, so that should set us up for continued strong cash flow generation as we move into 2022. Continued excellent performance on the ESG side, no material safety or environmental incidents to report. And we did, alongside our second quarter results, deliver our second annual sustainability report. And in that report, we did confirm that we'd secured the carbon offsets that we need for 2021 to bring our net emissions intensity down by 50% by 2025. And as a result of the exceptional operational delivery and strong financial performance, very pleased to be announcing Uh, this morning that we're applying uh, to commence our third share repurchase program since the company was spun off back in 2017. So that's the highlights. Let's start now to to go through in a bit more detail the the production performance. A third quarter production was 46,800 barrels of oil equivalent per day. Exceptional production performance across all of our business units. If we start with Canada, um, you can see from the production plot on the slides that we did take the shutdown at Onion Lake Thermal during the second quarter. That was to set us up for our Onion Lake Thermal D-prime pads. That's been brought on stream and has been ramped up ahead of schedule and is delivering um, above our forecast expectations. So a really good start um, from the Onion Lake Thermal team. And during the fourth quarter, we're making good progress with our five-well infill campaign. Don't really expect much production contribution uh, during 2021, but that will add some production growth as we move into early 2022. On the international assets, again, continued strong production in Malaysia and in France. In Bertham, we did complete the the shutdown uh, during the second and third quarter. And that was to set us up for the, the infill uh, sidetrack drilling campaign on our A15 well in our Bertham field. That shutdown was completed ahead of schedule, and uh, we're on track to commence drilling operations in the fourth quarter uh, with a production startup early in the new year. I'll come back and give a bit more colour on that later in the presentation. But if we look at that strong third quarter production performance, that's allowed us to now raise our full year guidance to in excess of forty five thousand barrels of oil equivalent per day up from our Q2 guidance of forty four thousand barrels of oil equivalent per day and if you look at the chart on the bottom of the page you can see that this is our third quarter in succession of delivering our production above the high end of our guidance estimates so again huge uh, congratulations to all of our teams for delivering such a solid performance. And we've seen production recover to pre-COVID highs, which is no mean achievement. Turning now to operating cash flow. Operating cash flow for the first nine months was 226 million US dollars. That's on the back of an average Brent price of $68 per barrel. So in the first 9 months we've been able to generate more than our original CMD high case forecast of 220 million dollars which was assuming a similar Brent oil price of $65 per barrel. The reason we've been able to deliver such strong flow, strong cash flow generation is a combination of that higher production performance, better Canadian crude price differentials and stronger Canadian gas prices and that causes us now to increase our full year guidance for operating cash flow to now between 315 and 335 million dollars assuming a 75 to 85 dollar average Brent price through the fourth quarter. Capital expenditure as I mentioned in the highlights we have reduced our full year capital expenditure forecast by 23 million dollars 50 million us dollars that's just due to the the latest estimates of when the rig is expected to arrive in, in early december on our bertam field location so the majority of that drilling expenditure is now re into 2022 so full year capex expenditure forecast now of 50 million us dollars When we combine that strong operating cash flow and a relatively light capital expenditure budget, you're seeing record high free cash flow generation for the company forecast for the full year 2021. For the first nine months alone, we've generated more than $20 million above our original CMD high forecast, $176 million for the first nine months. And when we look forward for the fourth quarter, we're significantly increasing our full year free cash flow guidance, now up to between 240 to 260 million dollars, between $75 and $85 Brent, up from $195 million for the full year that we announced alongside our second quarter results. And when you look at IPC's closing market capitalization at the end of last week, that translates into very attractive 28 to 30% free cash flow yield for the full year. And if we just put that free cash flow yield in context with the rest of the global integrated EMP industry, it compares extremely favorably. This slide shows um, a survey of the expected forecast free cash flow yields across that entire integrated EMP industry space. It was a report recently issued by RBC Capital Markets. And you can see that the range of free cash flow yields expected for 2021 are between 8 and 16%, with an average for the industry of 12%. So when you look at IPC's numbers of somewhere between 28 and 30%, you know, we're producing cash flow more than double the industry average, which is quite extraordinary. And when we look beyond just the 2021 numbers and our five year forecast, which only assumes that all we're developing is our 270 million barrels of 2P reserves, we're in a position to hold our production levels today of around 45,000 barrels a day flat over the next five years. You'll notice at the bottom end of the range, we're increasing our guidance by 140 million, so increasing it from 600 to now $740 million to take account of the strong 2021 cash flow performance. And at the high end of $75 per barrel, we can generate up to $1.2 billion of free cash flow. And that translates into an annual free cash flow yield of between 17% per annum and 28% per annum. So all prices, $10 a barrel below where we are today, we can sustain these free cash flow yields that we're generating this year for the next four years, which I think is extremely impressive. And, of course, that sets us up to continue to to generate significant shareholder value in the years ahead through a combination of stakeholder returns in the form of further debt reduction. And today we're announcing our third share buyback program. Obviously, IPC's history and our DNA is M&A, and we've conducted more transactions and acquisitions in the last four years. And of course, we have the capacity to do more in the years ahead as we see the energy transition and we see the majors look to dispose of some of their non-core assets. And of course, we still have a very significant contingent resource base in excess of a billion barrels. So great strength on the financial front to continue to generate material shareholder value. On the valuation side, if we look at how IPC stands and compares, based upon very conservative year-end 2020 pricing, which assumes $48 rent for this year, rising to only $57 per barrel by 2025, that gives you an asset value of $1.63 billion. If we take off the beginning of the year debt, that gets you down to a 2P net asset value of 1.3 billion dollars, or 72.50 sec per share, using the current exchange rate, which translates into a 34% discount on some very conservative oil pricing. So, either through the cash flow lens or the value lens, I think IPC screens extremely favourably. So, turning now to the announcement this morning and the, and the share repurchase. And those that follow the company know that we have already completed two share repurchase programs since the, the company was created back in 2017. In those first two programs, we've acquired and canceled a total of 34 million shares and the average share price was just below 33 set per share. So a lot of value created from those first two share repurchase programs. This morning, we're announcing the third share repurchase program. And as I've mentioned, we've seen very, very good operational performance. Our production uh, this year looking to be around 5% above our original high-end Capital Markets Day guidance forecast. We're seeing continued strong uh, pricing across the entire energy complex. And as we've seen, our 2021 free cash flow is significantly above our original tie side guidance and is more than double that of the global E&P industry average. Leverage is dropping like a stone, not point six times net debt to EBITDA at the end of the third quarter. And from a value perspective, looking extremely attractive with a close to 34% discount from our 2P net asset value. And that does not include a single dollar of value attached to our in excess of a billion barrels of contingent resources. That's a very attractive value proposition, and that's why we're seeking approval to repurchase up to 10.8 million shares, or approximately 7% of our shares outstanding over the next 12 months under the Canadian Normal Course Issuer Bid Rules. Turning now to dive into a bit more detail on, on each of our assets, and starting with um, the Canadian business and our Suffield oil asset. Strong production performance continued through the third quarter, averaging around 8,000 barrels of oil per day, uh, back to above early 2016 levels. And we're seeing continued strong outperformance from our end 2 n uh, EOR development project that we started a couple of years ago. don't have any major capital activities planned this year, But what we do still have a significant drilling inventory ready for execution that's likely to to feature in our 2022 drilling programs. This year, focus was really on end-to-end well conversions and some optimization work on our South Gibson field uh, to keep those production levels relatively stable through the year. Turning to to Suffield Gas, and it's no surprise that we've seen extremely strong gas prices um, across the globe, and that's also uh, been a feature of the Canadian market, and Christoph will show in his presentation some of the recent gas price trends which have been very strong in Canada. Our Asafio gas asset continues to generate very strong cash flow. We aren't investing any capital in 2021. Um, we haven't drilled a new well since we took over operatorship, but what we can do And you can see from the chart on the bottom left-hand side of this slide is be very active on our optimization front. And since we've taken operatorship of this asset, we've close to doubled the amount of swabbing activity. And that's allowed us to, to keep that gas production relatively flat and offset those natural declines in our Canadian Suffield gas business. So great job done by the teams on the ground with very minimal capital there. Turning to our Onion Lake thermal asset, you can see on the production slide that we successfully completed our planned shutdown and turnaround during May. That was to allow us to, to tie in our new D-prime well pad. And um, that D-prime well pad was uh, completed and brought online ahead of schedule in the third quarter. And we expect that to ramp up and add production in excess of 1,000. 500 barrels of oil per day on plateau. The rig's now moved and we are in the midst of our five-well infill drilling camp- campaign, which is due to complete um, before the end of the fourth quarter. And um, the wells are drilled and we're just working on the completion in the tie and, and we should see the production impact start to, to really ramp up during the first quarter of next year. So really good performance by the team in delivering the shutdown. Uh, getting deep prime on stream and making great progress on our five-wheel infill drilling program. And just as a reminder of the the numbers that we showed alongside our second quarter results uh, for that five-wheel infill program, extremely attractive metrics. We're tackling about 3.5 million barrels of unswept oil with a break-even WCS price of $20 per barrel. When you look at WCS prices, today train at close to $70 per barrel, and with a payback at Brent prices of $55 per barrel in, in only one year, um, these are extremely attractive infill wells to be executing. Turning to our Ferguson asset um, in Canada, minimal investment activity during this year. Um, we have done some gas injection and repressurization work through some low-cost uh, effective well conversions. We've got the potential with this asset. This is the asset that we acquired from Granite in late 2019. We did suspend all redevelopment activity during the, the pandemic last year, but we have got the potential to more than double our production with multiple drilling locations execution ready. And this is likely to feature um, in our development plans as we move into 2022. On the conventional side, um, our John Lake and Onion Lake Primary has been ramped up with the the very strong Canadian pricing environment that we've seen. Likewise, with our Mooney asset, we're also ramping up production that we started in the second quarter, again, with the, the strong Canadian crude pricing. And When we look at our overall Canadian conventional assets, we've been able to ramp up production at around 18% hundred barrels of oil equivalent per day. So again, tremendous job done by the team to reduce that production last year through the pandemic and bring it back up to pre-shutting rates following uh, the recovery that we've seen in Canadian crude pricing. Blackrod, which is the biggest portion of our contingent resources, just under a billion barrels of our contingent resources, the third well pilot program continues to exceed expectations. You can see the, the recent production. Uh, we're sustaining uh, production at above 800 uh, barrels of oil per day, and that's close to 50% increase in the productivity that we saw from, from well pair two. That's important because if we can drain more oil from a smaller number of wells, it can improve the overall project economics through less well pads, less infrastructure, reduces our environmental footprint. So continued good response that we're seeing um, on that third well pair pilot on our Blackrod project. Turning now to the Malaysian business, every quarter we have the same story, close to 100% facility uptime on our Bertan FPSO and a strong base well production performance. And during the the third quarter, we did complete a planned maintenance shutdown slightly ahead of schedule and on budget. And one of the main reasons that we wanted to take that shutdown was to increase the produce water handling capabilities of the Bertam FPSO. And that sets us up to to drill the A15 sidetrack, produce at higher liquid rates, and also the pump up sizing campaign that will follow the A15 Uh, drilling so again great job done by the team to deliver that bertam fpso debottlenecking project the a15 sidetrack um well has been sanctioned as i mentioned in the highlights and the capital guidance and this was this still is scheduled to commence drilling in q4 it's now likely to start in in december of this year slightly delay from our original plans and that's as a result of the, the operator who has the rig having to sidetrack the last well in their drilling program, resulting in a delay in us picking up that rig. So first oil is now not expected until early 2022. Amazing project, one and a half million barrels of resource to, to attack, breakeven Brent price of less than $20 per barrel, and of course. Our Bertrand Crude trades at a premium to Brent, so with Brent prices uh, in, above, in excess of $85 a barrel with the premium, amazing rates of return from this project, 150% rate of return at $55 per barrel and a $55 barrel per Brent one-year payback, so results are likely to be much better than those that we're publishing here on this slide. The pump-up sizing campaign, which will continue after the drilling of the, the A15 well in the first quarter, um, is expected to be completed before the end of the first quarter. That should add incremental production on average of around 800 barrels a day, and very similar metrics uh, to the A15 drilling, $20 uh, per barrel Brent breakevens and paybacks around one year at $55 per barrel Brent. So a nice production bump that we should see on our Berta as we move into the new year. In France, same story again, excellent performance and delivery from all of our producing fields. If you look at the production plot on the top right-hand side of this slide, you can see uh, the performance of our long-reach horizontal VGR 113 well. Production rates have stabilized at around 900 barrels per day. And you can see from our pre-investment forecasts, which were around 600 barrels a day, we're producing at 50% above those expectation levels. So it's been a tremendously successful drilling campaign on our VGR project. We had originally expected water breakthrough to come a year ago in the third quarter of 2020. And we still haven't seen any water in this well through the third quarter of 2020 in 21. And good results that we're seeing from uh, that VGR5 injector conversion uh, that we did to support pressure to the 113 well. So very stable production in France over the last quarter at around the 3,000 barrels per day level.
2: Fin- you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com Goals24. That's Chime.com Goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.
3: Prescription products require
4: completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
1: Play on sustainability um, and ESG alongside our second quarter results. We did publish our second sustainability report. Um, we conducted a, a materiality assessment earlier this year, which means that the The report just issued is fully GRI compliant. One of the core principles in terms of our emissions reduction strategy is to reduce IPC's net emissions intensity by 50% through 2025. And we've been able to do that through a combination of reducing our operations emissions and securing carbon offsets. And we've doubled the number of carbon offsets to cancel through 2021, up from 50,000 tons last year to 100,000 tons for 2021. And that's been done in in conjunction with our partner, First Climate. So that concludes um, one of the record quarters that we've ever seen since IPC was started back in 2017. I'll pass the floor now to Christoph, who will go through in more detail the very strong financial numbers. So, Christoph, i pass the floor to you.
0: Thank you very much,
1: Mike. Uh,
0: good morning uh, to everyone. Indeed, it's, uh, it's very pleasant to be here sitting in front of you, standing in front of you again uh, for a very good set of results. Um, the first comment, and I think Mike insisted on uh, rightly so, we've been carried by a very supportive oil and gas uh, price environment, obviously. But the, the performance of our assets in terms of production is nothing short of, of exceptional, uh, being significantly above the, the high end of our capital markets, the previous guidance. And so for the for the third quarter, with, uh, with a production that is just short of 47,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, it brings the nine months average in excess of 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, and we feel now comfortable to guide that we should be in excess of that level for the the, the full year guidance. As I just said, the, the the oil price environment is very supportive. We we saw an average Brent price of uh, 73.5 dollar per barrel for the for the third quarter and an average of 68 for the first nine months, and uh, as you know, the, the fourth quarter seems to, to point even, uh, even significantly higher than that. So we expect uh, we expect the, the, the good performance to continue and improve again in uh, in the fourth quarter. Operating costs have been uh, remain under control and have have, uh, have been a bit lower in this third quarter at 14.7 US dollar per BOE. Uh, lower than the, the previous two quarters, and that's a direct reflection of the higher production during um, during this quarter. Operating cash flows and uh, and EBITDA for this quarter are around 90 million US dollars, giving um, giving uh, the the full uh, first nine months uh, operating cash flow, which, as you know, is the are the revenues less OPEC less cash taxes in excess of 225 million U.S. dollars. The, the, as a result, the, the net debt has reduced significantly, actually halved from the, the end of last year from 321 million U.S. dollars down to 161 and uh, we expect that the net debt to continue reducing significantly between now and the end of the year already on net debt to a 12-month to EBITDA uh, on a rolling basis has come down from three times last year to 0.6 times and should further reduce, as I just said, um, at the end of this year. Another, another important measure, obviously, is the, is the free cash flow, which was a record high this quarter at 77 million US dollars and 176 million US dollars for the first nine months and um, we we had uh, we had some oil hedges where we lost for the first nine months 23 million so in the absence of any hedging or free cash flow for the first nine months would have been actually 200 million us dollars again a record high from uh, since since ipc inception in terms of uh, realized price so as i said it's been the the, the most supportive oil price environment, uh, at least uh, since um, since 2019. And uh, we can note that the the, dif- the differential is very important. It's not just the headline uh, brand prices we need to focus on, but obviously it's the WTI and also for Canadian business. As you know, the Western Canadian Select and the differential between the WTI and the WCS. And the Brent WTI differential has been consistently tight around two to three U.S. dollar per barrel over the last couple of years, much tighter than in uh, 2019. And uh, the very important point is that the WTI WCS differential has been constantly tight around 12 to 13 U.S. dollar per barrel over the last two years. So it's really an important factor because you see that over the last two years, the WTI has considerably increased, but the differential has remained at the same level. So obviously, our realised prices have considerably improved over the last um, over the last 18 months. The, in, in Malaysia, we we consistently sell above brand price, so realised prices uh, for the first uh, nine months are above the, the, the Brent level, but I'm happy to report that the, the market continues to, to pick up and we see that, um, that premium significantly increasing again in Malaysia. In France, we tend to sell just on par with, uh, with Brent and, uh, and that is the case for the, for the first nine months uh, at uh, just above 60 cents above the Brent price for the first nine months. And um, in terms of the WTI, so it averaged 52 and a half. But as we speak, we are much closer. We are in between 68 and 70 US dollar for the WCS. So you can expect um, a much stronger, even much stronger realized price for for Canadian oil production in the in the fourth quarter. Looking at the the gas prices now, it's uh, since the the lo- since the logistical issues that uh, the, the gas network faced in 2019 in Alberta. So that was fixed at the end of 2019. And so you can see on that graph that there's a very strong correlation between the U.S. Henry Hub gas price in dollar per MMBTU and the ECO, which is the Alberta reference gas price <clears throat> in, uh, in Canadian dollar per MCF. And uh, it, it, it may not be exact on a day-by-day basis, but over a week or a couple of weeks, the correlation is extremely strong, and th- this is what you see on this graph with the um, with the the blue the blue line in terms of um, in terms of realized price, and and you can see that going ahead, the Henry Hub continues to increase, and so does the the eco gas price. So again even more constructive gas price heading into Q4, not to mention that on average you can sell the ECO gas price in excess of $4 for the entire year next year, 2022. Looking at the, the realized price for the third quarter, so we realized the 3.72 Canadian dollar per MCF. That was the best performance in uh, in the third quarter ever and uh, and close to the to the highest. Um, for, for IPC. Looking now at our uh, operating cash flows and EBITDA, I mean, uh, as much as uh, 2020 was difficult, what 12 months uh, make, and uh, it's very, it's very nice actually to be comparing our, our performance, our financial performance in 2021 <laughs> compared to last year. You can see um, that uh, IPC assets and portfolio of assets are extremely talky to the to the oil price. And in a much higher oil price environment, the financial results um, and the talk is phenomenal to that, to that upside. Uh, so I won't dwell on the numbers again, but just mention that for the first nine months in uh, in this year, the EBITDA and operating cash flow are both in excess of 220 billion US dollars. In terms of OPEX, you can see a reduction this quarter, which was mainly driven by an increased production close to 47 thousand barrels of oil equivalent per day we're maintaining our full year guidance at 15.5 but it's fair to say it's probably on the conservative side and uh, we expect to be to be better than that for the for the full year depending on where the the production stands for the for the fourth quarter but it's it's looking uh, it's looking good so far in terms of net back happy to to report that uh operating cash flow and ebitda on the u.s dollar per barrels of oil equivalent basis for the third quarter was seven to eight u.s dollar higher than the high case uh, we previously guided at our capital markets there so we a really really strong performance and you realize that because there's a very low level of cash taxes we basically only pay Cash taxes in France, because we have lots of uh, tax losses brought forward, we uh, we benefit almost directly to the bottom line of all the increased oil and gas prices. Looking at the the cash flows, the operating cash flow, and how that contributed to the net debt reduction, I mentioned the the net debt halved in uh, in nine months. We went from uh, a net debt of 321 million US dollars at the end of last year down to 161 at the, end of, at the end of September. The trend is expected to continue, obviously, in the, in the fourth quarter. And um, it's, uh, it's good to see that GNA, OPEX are under control. The operating cash flow has increased significantly, so did um, the net, net debt reduction as a consequence. Just talked about uh, OPEX in terms of GNA, they remain flat and under control as well and in line with the the previous years. So we are managing to maintain low and uh, and essentially flat GNA costs year and quarter on quarter. In terms of uh, the financial items, it's it's important to focus on, on the cash items there. And you can see as a consequence obviously of the debt Reduction, the cash, interest, expenses, and uh, related loan fees are reducing in uh, in the same proportion. Looking at the the financial results, so we generated over the first nine months in excess of 450 million US dollars. so that uh, that drove a cash mar- that generated a, a cash margin of just shy of 230 million US dollars gross profit of 131, and the first nine months net results are just shy of 80 million US dollars. Looking at the the balance sheet, you can see that uh, we've had, as you know, and as Mike mentioned, um, a a reasonably light investment, uh, CapEx this year. So the the depletion of our assets was higher than our CapEx, showing a a reduction in in the value of our oil and gas properties. But the current assets increased as a as a as a result of higher receivables due to just higher production and higher oil and gas prices, as well as increased inventory because we were carrying a lot of oil on our FPS, FPS over time at the end of September, as uh, we were gonna have a lifting in in October, which, which happened already. On the, on the liability front, the obvious Point to note is the reduction in uh, in financial liabilities which we've described already in terms of hedging um, nothing changed really from the from the from last quarter so we are not hedging any oil from our malaysian and french operations Um, we have a very very low leverage there and a, a reasonable low capex program and that capex program has a very quick payback so we we didn't feel like we had to to do any hedging there in canada we had uh, roughly 40 percent of our oil production hedged for the the second half this year at this stage we've not put in place any oil hedges for 2022 given the 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 very strong market dynamics there or expected um, manageable capex program for 2022, which we will uh, disclose to the market at our capital markets day next uh, February, and um, and so we fully benefit from uh, the potential upside at this stage for 2022. In terms of uh, in terms of gas, so we we've, we've hedged uh, roughly 20% of our gas production for the next um, next year's first nine months. We might uh, we we might put a, a bit more hedges for, for for gas given the very very strong market again as i said for the for the next for the entire next year so you know it's cyclical prices tend to be much stronger during the winter period but including winter and summer for the whole of next year we could um, we could actually sell forward some of our gas in excess of uh, four canadian dollar per mcf when historically we we've set our budget for the year at 250 so it tells you how strong that uh, that market is and uh, how profitable our, our gas business is in uh, in Canada. Lastly, as I touched upon, the the free cash flow for the first nine months was uh, as high as 176, 176 million US dollars for the first nine months. Had we not hedged anything in 2021 so far, um, the the free cash flow would actually have been 200 million because we had 23 million US dollars of uh, of hedging losses but we're obviously happy where we stand and expect to post another good um, quarter next um, the next quarter in terms of free cash flow so i will let uh, mike conclude thank you very much
1: thank you very much Christoph. and we can all agree it's been a phenomenal set of numbers delivered um during the during the third quarter so just to To come back and conclude again with the the highlights for the the third quarter of 2021, it's been uh, an extraordinary operational delivery across all the business units. Production for the third quarter above high in guidance, just under 47,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. Increasing guidance again, now to above 45,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day. For the full year, as Christoph alluded to, below guidance opex during the third quarter, and probably a relatively conservative 1550 forecast retained for the full year, and the capital expenditure program now expected to be 50 million US dollars, with some refasing of our Malaysian capex into early next year. High-watering cash flow numbers, $91 million of OCF for the third quarter, a record for the company, allowing us to uplift our guidance for the full year to $315 to $335 million. Free cash flow in just one quarter of $77 million, again leading to an uplift on our full year numbers up to $240 to $260 million. And as Christoph mentioned, if we didn't have any hedges in place for this year, we would have been heading more towards the $300 million level. That represents, on on those forecasts, a full year free cash flow yield of between 28 to 30%, which is more than double the global EMP industry average. Net debts dropping like a stone, just over $160 million by the end. Of the third quarter and leverage is down to 0.6 times relative to three times at the at the year end and as Christoph mentioned the fact that we have not got any oil hedges in place for next year means that like for like the cash flow generation capacity of the assets should be stronger as we move into 2022. esg side no material safety or environmental incidents second sustainability report published alongside our second quarter results, fully GRI compliant um, and on track to deliver our net emissions intensity reduction by 50% through the end of 2025. And last but not least on the back of such strong operational delivery um, and strong energy prices across the entire complex. And the value proposition and free cash flow yields that we see for IPC uh, lead us to be very pleased to announce our third share repurchase programme this morning um, following our spin off in 2017. So that concludes a, a record breaking quarter for the company. Happy now to pass the call back to the operator and we can take questions from those joining on the conference call. And you can also send in your questions.
5: By email, so let's uh, open for
4: questions. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question on the phone lines, please dial 01 on your telephone keypads now to enter the queue. Once your name is announced, you can ask your question. If you find this answered before it's your turn to speak, you can dial 02 to cancel. Our first question comes from the line of A.R. Nilsson from SB1 Markets. Please go ahead, your line is open.
3: Good morning and thanks for taking my questions. Uh, three questions. Uh, first one on um, on, uh, on your share repurchase, which is good to see that you announced. It. I just want to, to hear your consideration on cash dividend versus uh, buyback. So why do you prefer buybacks? Uh, second question uh, on the facing in Malaysia, how should we assume that will impact 2022 production? I guess it maybe will be a, a minor negative effect. And uh, Third question: is, uh, you highlighted that you have a uh, hedge some some gas for 2022, but uh, no hedges in place for oil, just uh, wanted to hear whether it's tempting or not to to put some places put in places on some oil hedges for for next year. Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you, Teder. So yeah, on, on the I'll take the first question on the the rationale for um, for the share buybacks. I think as we alluded to in the presentation, I think. You look at where IPC is trading in terms of its free cash flow multiple you know, relative to our market cap. you more than double the industry average, or on some extremely conservative oil prices. You know, going from $47 this year up to $57 by 2025. We're still trading at a 34% discount to our 2P net asset value. With, with such strong metrics, that was really what favoured um, us moving forward with the, with the share buyback as our first step in, in shareholder distributions. The second question on the on the phasing of the of the Malaysian drilling, we expect to to pick up the rig um, and commence drilling in, in early December. So really, that 23 million dollars that's been refased from 2021 into 2022 is likely to be largely spent in the first quarter of 2022 with early production um, during that first quarter from the A15 sidetrack well and third question on, on hedging. hedging Christoph. do you uh, want to yeah, on hedging
0: that? so yeah no you're, you're right at this stage we don't have any oil hedging for for 2022. And, and really, the, if, if you look back for the last um, the last three years, on, uh, on average, uh, we had uh, 20 to 25 percent of our Canadian oil production hedged, uh, which was a combination of factors and driven by the level of capEx and the level of debt. As I was uh, hinting before, we expect uh, for the significant reduction in our debt uh, by the end of this year and uh, a manageable capEx program and we tend to set our budget also at, uh, at, at a lower level than the, the oil price uh, we see in the, in the market and the third element is that the market's in backwardation so actually you can you can hedge at, uh, at a significantly lower level than what um, the, the current oil prices are So when when you put all of these elements together, I'm not suggesting we, we will never hedge. 2022, But the reality is that we are not hedged and we don't have any immediate plan for hedging. We would like to, to offer that, that upside to our, to our investors and, uh, and shareholders for the, for the time being. And the, the spending in terms of future capex, debt load or uh, buyback is obviously included in, the, in this reflection. Now, in terms of gas, we, we've seen uh, gas prices uh, soaring across the globe. Uh, Maybe not as much in in North America than we've seen uh, in uh, in Europe, but still a very significant run in in Canada following the the, the Henry up. That's why we were showing the the correlation between the the Henry up and the the eco gas price. And um, and we might add some uh, some hedging there. Uh, We've hedged already 20%, and we expect another good year in 2022, based on what the, the, the foreign market suggests. okay thank
3: you that's uh, that's clear and uh, congrats uh, with strong results that's all from me thank you
0: thanks
1: Theodore
3: thanks, thanks thank
4: you once again if there is any further questions, please dial zero one on your telephone keypads now. Okay, currently there seem to be no further questions from the phone lines.
5: Okay, thanks, operator. We have a couple of web questions here. So, Christoph, first of all, can you comment on the profitability of the gas business for IPC?
0: Yes. So a, w- a way to web, so we usually don't disclose really the the, the opex per, per mcf. What what I can say is that we already enjoy uh, a very good uh, profitability when uh, when we use a 250 CAD per mcf for 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 budget. So you can imagine that that uh, three and a half, four, one the, the the gas price actually for next winter, for this coming winter across end of 21 and early 22, is uh, is five Canadian per mcf. So, we're talking about uh, a multi-Canadian-per-MCF uh, profitability net of uh, OPEX.
5: Thanks, Christoph. Um, Mike, so we have a couple of um, commodity price questions here. So, commodity price environment, how is it impacting the asset market? And are you still seeing opportunities for value accretive deals in Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, it's, it's definitely having an impact um, on, on on the asset market. And, I wouldn't say that um, companies are rushing to materially upgrade their long-term oil price forecast for acquisitions to anything like 75 to 85 right now. I think what you have to do now in the asset market is be more creative um, when you're structuring acquisitions. So for example, typically at this point in the cycle, when you see such a rapid increase in um, contingent payments and some of the upside share and start to feature in. Transactions enable to enable them to uh, to proceed successfully. So it's really just structuring things tend to tend to change when you see such a an uptick in commodity prices. But there's there's absolutely still um, you know interest in assets out there in the market in Canada um, and internationally. We we always keep our discipline. Always has to start with the quality of the subsurface. But um, we're still as active as, as ever on the on the m and front. You just have to be more creative on your deal structuring.
5: Okay, thank you. And then thinking about 2022 in particular, are you looking to dividends and buybacks as a solution to squeeze that differential between the market cap and NAV? And then specifically, when will you consider a cash dividend?
1: So the short answer is yes, we announced this morning, the third uh, share repurchase program. and um, Clearly with uh, free cash flow generation of between 740 million dollars and 1.2 billion dollars between 55 and 75 Brent as we've said we've got a lot of flexibility to to look at returning cash to to shareholders in the in the years ahead so very pleased to announce the commencement of that this morning
5: okay and um how do you plan to monetize that crowd resources
1: so I think it's, it's it's a stepwise process and you know I think when oil prices were much lower a couple of years ago, we we took a fairly bold contrarian move to continue to invest um, and complete the third pilot well pair extending the length of the horizontal drilling section by by 50%. So the first answer is by using the latest technology um, and drilling longer reach horizontal wells to improve the productivity of the project and to try and get the, the cost base down. That was one of the one of the first um, tenants of, of unlocking the value proposition on Blackrod. The second, as we've said for, for many years, and it follows the contrarian approach we took to the three Canadian acquisitions we've made in the past four years, was waiting for the egress position and the pipeline situation to, to improve. And with, um, with, w- with Embridge's Line 3 coming on stream during, uh, during mid-October, and, and Trans Mountain likely to be completed by the end of next year, that completely changes the market dynamic for Canadian egress and should materially change the outlook for Canadian differentials in the next five to ten years. So, Of course, that provides a much solider and um, commercial framework for where Canadian crude price differentials sit. And of course, with very, very strong benchmark prices and projects like Blackrod start to, to become um, more interesting. So, I think it's a combination of technology and, and the market environment. And as we see things, you know, those things are starting to to cooperate, to cooperate in synchronization. So, we just need to see the continued sustained productivity um, of our third welfare. but so far, so good.
5: Um, so, is Canada likely to remain the focus region for M&A, or are there any other geographies you prefer, like Africa or Malaysia?
1: Nothing's really changed since the spin-off. As I mentioned, if you look at any of the lending group companies, um, where they were successful in creating value, it starts with the quality of of, of assets. So we continue to screen assets in Canada um, and internationally. And if we can see the upside that we can bring and unlock that value, um, then we're we're open to still even entering new jurisdictions. So no, we're not just wedded to... To looking at Canadian acquisitions, it's where we can see the best value proposition for our shareholders.
5: Okay, thanks Mike. I think we have one more question from the operator, so if we could just switch back to the operator for that question.
4: That's right, we've got a question from Mark Wilson of Jefferies. Please go ahead, your line is open. Thank you, uh, good morning. I'd like to ask uh, on operational uh, side of things. So Onion Lake has seen the investment and will be seeing the investment um, through towards the end of the year. You also mentioned in the call how Suffield gas, you haven't drilled any new wells since uh, since taking out assets, but you've had great success in swabbing activities. Um, could we talk then about the possibility of drilling new wells at Suffield? Is that a possibility, say, for 2022, or is there a, a barrier to, to drilling new wells? That's my first question, thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mark, and it's and, and a very good question. Um, The the short answer is we do have a material inventory of of new gas wells and in our contingent resources. We've got about 2,500 locations booked, which is about 30 million uh, BOEs of our contingent resource base. I would say it's less likely next year that we would start new gas drilling, notwithstanding that significant inventory, because what we would most likely do if we chose to ramp up our gas activity is, is repeat some of the, the refrac and recomplete work that we've got from our existing well stock. So we see much higher returns and much quicker paybacks if we go into the existing well stock and spend a bit of capital accessing some new bypass um, reservoir horizons. So I would I would say most likely in the short term um, it would be further gas optimization from the existing well stock. Before drilling new gas wells, but we do have um, a not insignificant inventory there.
4: Got it. Okay. No, uh, very clear. And then, so um, by contrast, I suppose Onion Lake could possibly see more well pads. Would that be the case?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the our 2P reserves in Onion Lake, uh, I think are around 160, 170 million barrels, and you know the current facility. We can keep those production levels relatively stable for the next 20 plus years by just drilling new well pads. So, absolutely, you're likely to see um, continued investment in new well pads in the in the years ahead. And also on the back of the you know the early results we're seeing from the infill drilling program, the team's also looking to see if we can squeeze some additional infill drilling locations. Um, from our existing well pads because clearly the returns that you get with such minimal investment are are very attractive as you can see from the, the numbers in the presentation. So it's going to be a combination going forward, Mark, of of both um new well pads and hopefully some additional infill drilling.
4: Okay. Um and then Christoph was very clear on not planning on uh, hedging any oil we also mentioned just to check if this hasn't been answered on gas side of things because uh christoph mentioned you know you can sell gas at four dollars a barrel or three twenty two if you wanted to um does that appear uh, an attractive market to hedge some gas into for twenty two
0: yeah no it 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 does and we 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 always monitor um monitor when to play to place those those, those hedges uh we we placed some uh, in the in the last couple of months the market has continued to be even more bullish so we may we may hedge furthermore trying to trying to understand or see where the market is going but yeah it's likely that at some point we'll uh, we'll lock in some more hedges at the at the 4, four dollar plus level
4: okay, okay. and then uh, last point is um there's media reports that you've started to process to uh, sell your assets in france uh, could you speak to that please
1: yeah, I think we never comment on on press speculation, Mark. And uh, you know, so I think I think when we look at the the French businesses, as you can see, the performance from the recent VGR and um, long reach horizontal drilling, we're producing at above 50% from the the pre-investment rates, and there's still a lot of upside. Don't forget, we did um, suspend the redevelopment of our western flank of. Of our no Purdue assets. I think there's still a huge amount of running room um, in our French business, and it's got one of the best fiscal takes um, in the world. So I think France has, still has a huge value proposition for, for the IPC shareholders.
4: Okay, thanks for those answers and a uh, wonderful set of results. Good luck for the future.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much, Mark. Thank you. Okay, I think that concludes the presentation. So I'd just like to to finish by thanking everyone for tuning in and for your attention this morning. And we look forward to, to presenting our year-end results and Capital Markets Day um, updates in early February. So thank you very much once again. Thank you very much.
2: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ ten. Support your healthy CoQ ten levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats B-E-E-T-S The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.